Praise the Lord. I didn't say praise the LC1 chairperson. I said praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. God is God and there is no argument about that. So when I say praise the Lord, I expect you to be strong enough, you know, to, 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 to respond with all your strength, with all your energy. Can we, can we do it one more time? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. It's a joy to be here. Again, I bring you greetings from the village uh, where I live. And it's always a joy for me to come to Kampala to see wonderful people here, to see amazing buildings and wonderful roads in Kampala. So I am really blessed indeed uh, to be able to see you. Thank you so much for coming. And I would like to uh, thank my brother, uh, the Reverend uh, uh, Gerard, our pastor here, and the entire team for the invitation. I'm so uh, excited to be here to bring God's word to us again. I bring you greetings from my family, uh, my wife and children, and uh, from the Kampala Campus Church where I serve, uh, UCU Kampala Campus. I bring you greetings from all God's people there. Praise be to the Lord. Amen. I was asked to talk about the five fold ministries, the fivefold ministry. Uh, that is the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching. I can say that again. The fivefold ministry, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching. Coming out of Ephesians uh, chapter 4, um, actually the entire chapter there is talking about um, these ministries. But we'll focus, uh, for our sharing, we'll focus on verses 11 to 16. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 to 16. Let us pray as we look into God's word. Father Lord, we thank you and honor you because you are God and there is none like you in all the earth. We worship you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to gather and, Lord, to hear and receive your holy word. I pray that, Lord, your word will impart, that your word will change, that your word will find fertile ground. Holy Spirit, I know you're already here. Please illuminate God's word to us and help us to understand what the Lord is saying to us, and may this word, Lord, renew, may this word, Lord, impact our ministries, Lord, to the glory and honor of your name, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4. Now, before we go to our main verses, it's important for us to uh, to remember that this is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing to the church at uh, Ephesus. So that's why we call this, you know, the letter to the Ephesians. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Now, the main theme or the main message in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks about the nature of the church. The nature of the church. Throughout the letter to the Ephesians, we see that the church 
is indeed the body of Christ. That the church is not just an institution. The church is not just an organization. The church is the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. Made up of you and, and me. And particularly in this chapter, when you go back to verse 1, we see that the Apostle Paul now is calling upon the church to be one. He is calling upon the church to be one. To be one. Praise the Lord. That is the main message. To be united in Christ Jesus. Yes, in the church we have different gifts are different callings and yet these should not divide the church paul is calling the church to be one i want to read for you from verse one so you can get the context as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Listen to verse 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father and Father of all who is over all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who ascended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. I think when you listen through, you can get the context. You can understand what is going on. Paul is talking about Christian unity. He is aware that God has apportioned. God has given us different gifts. We have been called differently as we are going to see him. And yet he is challenging us to be one, you know, in Christ. And there is a, a word that he uses in verse 16 which really uh, is very, very important. He, talk, he, uses, he talks about supporting ligament. Supporting ligament. You know what a ligament does? The other day, uh, not the other day actually, in, in the year 2020, during the first uh, COVID lockdown, I was exercising and, you know, I fell. I was running on, on our hill in Mukono, if you've been to UCU, and I fell. So when I stood up, um, I, I was feeling a lot of pain. And, and, and after one month, my pain really intensified. And I was taken to theater for operation. The surgeon told me that I've, I had broken the ligaments, the ligament that joins the lower part of the leg to the upper you know, part of the leg. So in other words, my knee was disjointed. And I spent a full day in theater for the operation. Now, the Apostle Paul is talking about a ligament here and is saying that the church is to be joined together despite uh, different gifts, uh, different callings. We are to be one because we belong to one God. You know, we share in one baptism and therefore he is calling upon the church to grow up in Christ and part of that growth, you know, is Christian unity, is being one, united in Christ Jesus. Now, I want us to focus on our verses, verse 11 to 12. Verse 11, I mean, verse 11 to 16. Um, I have categorized, you know, my sermon into two. I have separated it into two. And the first part will focus on verses 11 to 12. Verses 11 to 12. Verses 11 to 12, we are going to see the offices or the ministries of spiritual leadership in the church and their purpose. Okay? The, the offices, the ministries of spiritual leadership in the church and their purpose. And their purpose. Remember, we are looking at the fivefold ministries. Apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching. So we are going to look at those and their purpose. Okay, the, the ministries or offices of spiritual leadership in the church and their purpose. So when you look at verse 11 and 12, Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to do what? In verse 12, he says, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. May be built up. There are very key words here I want us to pay attention to. And the first one is that it is Christ himself. 
Praise the Lord. It is Christ himself. That means that it is Christ who establishes or who established these offices. It is Christ himself. Hallelujah. It is Christ himself who established these offices. It is him who gave. That means the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, you know, are to work under Christ, under his authority. Not men. They are to operate under his authority, not the authority of men. Certainly we know that today there are people who pretend, really, pretend to be prophets, especially in Kampala. There are people who pretend to be apostles. And I'm glad we are going to look at the mean, who is an apostle. We are going to look at who is a prophet. Praise the Lord so much. Therefore, let me say that these offices are from God. They are a divine institution and not human invention. You know, created by men. They are from God. They are God-given. And they are not man-made. Hallelujah. They are God-given and not man-made. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Let me say that Paul actually, Paul actually describes four offices or four ministries, not five as we commonly know them. We commonly call them the fivefold ministry. But Paul actually describes four ministries or four offices, as we'll see later on. Now, let's begin by looking at apostles. 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 Now, when you look at these verses, these two verses, because we have said that the Bible says that, so Christ gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So let's begin with the apostles. The apostles are a special you know, type, special ambassadors, or special messengers. They are special messengers, special ambassadors. In fact, I hope you remember this. The word apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos. Hmm? If you don't remember that, apostolos means a messenger or one saint. You hear that? A messenger or one saint. And I'm saying here that apostles are special ambassadors or messengers. Messengers. They are God sent. They are sent by God. Praise the Lord. They are sent by God for God's work. Now, Paul uses the word apostle here in the same sense of the first century apostles or of the apostles of the early church. He uses the word apostles here in the sense, you know, of the early church apostles. 
I want to remind you that the apostles in the early church laid a foundation. They laid a foundation of the New Testament church, as we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. Ephesians, if my brother could project it for us, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. The apostles of the early church laid a foundation for the church. They laid a foundation for the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, the Bible says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Hallelujah. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So the apostles laid the foundation. They laid the foundation. Praise the Lord so much. They laid the foundation for the church. Now, so when the apostle Paul talks about apostles here, he is referring to the apostles as, you know, the inner circle who have been witnesses, who have been preaching. When he uses the word apostles here, he is referring to people that have been witnesses, witnessing, you know, to God's people, witnessing God's word, preaching God's word. That is what the Apostle Paul is referring to. In fact, when you read Acts chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, the Bible says, the Bible says, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So the apostles are people that have been witnessing. They are people that have been, you know, reaching out. They are people that have laid the foundation of the church. Therefore, be careful when somebody says that they are an apostle. Hello? We know that Paul was an apostle, although we know that he was not at first one of the twelve. He was not one of the twelve, but he was an apostle of the Lord. You have read about his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Acts, and then... Um, Consequently, how he goes on, you know, to witness for Christ, you know, in different parts of the world. Now, let me say that the apostles of the early church, the apostles that Paul is talking about here, cannot be compared with the missionaries of today or those who call themselves apostles today. Because today's missionaries have not been eyewitnesses. Many of them have actually not been taught. Many of them have actually not been taught. But they call themselves apostles. 
So when Paul uses the word, when, when Paul he, he talks about apostles, he is referring to people that have laid the foundation, people that have witnessed for the Lord Jesus Christ, people that have seen the Lord themselves. Actually, let me say that we can look at an apostle as a graduated disciple. Because we know that a disciple is a learner. You know at first that Jesus Christ called the disciples. Are we together, friends? He called the twelve. He called them to be with him, to learn from him, to be taught. They walked with him. Praise the Lord. And after learning from him, after being with him, we read in Matthew chapter 28 that he did what? He commissioned them. Matthew 28 from verse 16 to 20. That's where we find the great commission. That he did what? He commissioned them to do what? To go out and witness, continue his work. Therefore, remember we say that an apostle is a messenger. So after they have learned from him, after they have been students, now he sent them out, he commissioned them to go out. So we can look at an apostle as a graduated disciple. Somebody who has been taught, somebody who has learned, and now they are being sent out. Let me say that I have a friend actually, I met this friend at university. We met at the prayer mountain. You know, we met for a few days, and uh, the next time we met, he started calling me apostle. And every time I, I meet him, he calls me apostle Kamoga. So be very careful with these people. They actually use this term, this, this word, without knowing what it means. It's a big office. These are people that laid the foundation of the church that witnessed for the church. And now you hear so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, apostle Kamoga. Can you imagine? Now let's look at prophets or the prophetic ministry. Let me say that prophets speak forth words from God in complete consistency with the foundation of God's word. The prophets speak forth God's word, and this word must be consistent, hallelujah, must be consistent with the word of God. Sometimes prophets speak in a predicative, you know, sense. They foretell what is going to happen, you know, predictive sense. And sometimes they will speak exactly what God is saying, not necessarily what is going to come in the future. However, what the prophets say must be subjected to discernment. It must be subjected to discernment. The last time I was here, I talked about discernment. That, that when somebody says Uganda is going to win the World Cup, there was a prophet who said that, that Uganda was going to win the World Cup. Do you remember that prophet? Yeah. 
here in Kampala. Hmm? So first of all, you have to ask yourself, is this consistent with the word of God? Is there a message from God in this prophecy? And this prophecy must be subjected to discernment. Discernment is listening, praying and seeking the face of God to find out what is God saying in this prophecy. You hear me, friends? What is God saying in this prophecy? Praise the Lord so much. So a prophecy must be subjected to discernment. Discernment. What is God saying in this? Unfortunately, today's prophets are manipulative. They will study a situation and manipulate. You get it. And then they will tell you such and such a thing is going to happen. So let me say that as with the apostles, modern prophets do not speak in the same authority as the prophets we read about in the Old Testament, as the prophets we read about in the Bible. Because those prophets spoke forth God's word. They spoke the word of God. They spoke exactly what God wanted his people to hear. And whatever they said came to pass. Now listen to me. Up to now, I am still waiting for Uganda to win the World Cup. You see that, that there is a sharp gap between the prophets of the Bible and the prophets of today. You remember there was another one who said that uh, one of the pre pre presidential candidates was going to die. But all of them are still living. The prophets of the Bible spoke the word of God. They spoke the heart of God. In fact, somebody has referred to prophets as a prophet, as, as a God, you know, as God's spokesperson, spokesperson of God, who speaks on behalf of God. And what he speaks is consistent with God's word. And what they speak comes to pass. Now, as I speak, friends, may the Lord now help us to begin to relate, to look at the prophets, the apostles of the Bible, and the so-called apostles and prophets of today. Certainly, we'll return this in our application. Now, let's move, let's look at evangelists in the third place. Evangelists. Evangelists are specifically Please mark my words. Evangelists are specifically gifted to preach the good news of salvation. They are gifted. They are gifted to preach the good news of salvation. Salvation of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you have seen evangelists around. Even in the early church, you know, the church in its beginning days, we read about evangelists. For example, in the book of Acts chapter 21 and verse 8, we see that Philip was an evangelist. When you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, we see that Timothy was an evangelist. 
evangelists preach God's word. And again, mark my words, they don't preach their own words, they preach God's word. Hallelujah. They preach a message of salvation. That is what evangelists do. Maybe God is calling some of you to uh, this ministry. Ministry of preaching God's word. A message of salvation. Now, remember I said we are looking at the fivefold you know, ministry. But I said that, um, yes, for us, we, we, we may refer to them as five, but when you do a, a deeper study of God's word, you'll find out that they are actually four. So I'm going to combine pastors and teachers, and I'll give my reasons why. Pastors and teachers as one office. In other words, pastors and teachers are to work hand in hand as we are going to see. Let me say that a pastor must shepherd the flock of God. A pastor is one who shepherds God's flock primarily through teaching God's word. Did you hear that? So that's why I say that these two ministries go together. We are calling them five, but in actual sense, they are four. A pastor will, will, will take care of God's people, shepherd God's flock through teaching God's word. Through teaching God's word. And let me say that a pastor who does not teach God's word is a dangerous pastor. And excuse me, when I talk about a pastor, reverends are also included because reverends are pastors. You know, in our context here in Uganda, when you talk about a pastor, people think about the Pentecostal pastor. A pastor is one that takes care of God's people. Praise the Lord so much. So I am saying that a pastor who does not teach God's word is dangerous. So pastors take care of their congregations by teaching by teaching the word of God. Praise the Lord so much. Implying that a shepherd who does not feed will fail in his duty. A pastor who does not feed, who does not teach, in other words, will fail in his pastoral work. And let me say that the same is true with a teacher who fails to be a pastor. Hallelujah. A teacher is also called to be a pastor. Not only teaching God's word here, but reaching out, being part of people's personal lives, carrying out pastoral visits. When the people are celebrating, a pastor celebrates with them. When the people are mourning, a pastor mourns with them. That is why you have seen pastors come to your homes. Hallelujah. You have seen them come to pray with you. Maybe some of you are being called to be pastors. But remember, a pastor must be a teacher as well. 
Let me say, brothers and sisters, that teaching is an essential part of pastoral ministry. Teaching is an essential part of pastoral ministry. Let me say that it is appropriate, therefore, that the two terms, pastors and teachers, should be joined together. Should be joined together, friends, because the pastor must as well teach his flock. Especially, friends, in today's you know, age where there are so many wrong teachings, so many wrong teachers. So a pastor must read God's word, but not only read it, he must study it. There is a difference between reading God's word and studying it. A pastor must immerse himself in studying, in reading God's word to be able to come and feed, to be able to come and teach his people. You cannot be a pastor who cannot teach. And you give your congregation over to others to teach on your behalf, that is very dangerous. That is very dangerous. You know, let me say that with the influx of this so-called funeral ministry, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it, when it came to Kampala campus where I do ministry, I had to immerse myself in studying God's word to be able to test, and the Bible talks about testing, to be able to test whether what they were teaching was actually true. Praise the Lord so much. These guys were misinterpreting, and I don't know what they teach today, but I have studied what they teach. They start by saying that God loves you. That is true. They start by saying that God is merciful. That is true. However, they will go on to tell you that when you sin, this God, because he's a loving God, he cannot punish you. And they will ask you, by the way, who told you that you can sin? Their teaching is that when somebody is saved, that is the end, which is not consistent with Scripture. Because the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 11, he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean to work out our salvation? That means that when we get saved, that's not the end. We embark on that process of growing to become more like Jesus Christ. So I had to immerse myself in reading the scriptures. And the other thing that they were telling the young people in the fellowships is that the Old Testament is not valid. That's what they were teaching. That come on, and they use very tough words. They are very eloquent. They are very good speakers. They say, come on, we are in the dispensation of the New Testament, of the grace. What are you talking about? Excuse me? And now you say, wow, go deeper, man of God. Listen to me. <laughs> what does the Bible say? They don't believe in the Old Testament. They don't believe in passages that call people to repentance. Because they say, because you are born again, it is finished. So there is no need for repentance. They don't read scriptures that call people to repentance. So they don't believe in scriptures like Psalm 51. 
And I tell you that, you know David did not have the Holy Spirit. That is why he was repenting. That is being silly. Because we read from Genesis chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit of God was there. The Spirit of God was present. Praise the Lord so much. And I say believer cannot sin. That is again not, not consistent with scripture. What does First John chapter 1 from verse 8 say? The Bible says that if we say we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is merciful and just and willing to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. So friends, a pastor must be a teacher. Must be a teacher. So when I started what they were, they were teaching, do you know what I did? I asked the entire Christian union to resign. I woke up one day like a madman. I told them, all of you resign. They all resigned. And they told me the fellowship was going to collapse. I want you to come to Kampala on Tuesday. The hall is full. The Bible says that I will, God says that he will establish his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This spirit is coming to destroy the young church. It's coming to destroy young people. But I tell you that God is greater. Hallelujah. God is what? He's greater. He's greater than the one in the world. So a pastor must be a teacher. And Jesus Christ himself demonstrates this. He talks about himself as the good shepherd in John chapter 10. He's the good shepherd. A good shepherd is one that takes care of the sheep. You know, coming from a cattle-keeping community, I know what he's talking about. A shepherd will walk ahead of the sheep to see that there is no danger ahead, to see that there are green pastures ahead, to see that the, you know, the animals are safe. Jesus is a good shepherd. That means Jesus is the greatest pastor. Hallelujah. Excuse me, it does not stop there. When you read John 21 and verse 15, it doesn't stop there. This is what he says. Jesus says, when the Bible says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Which actually means that teach. Feed them with my word. Teach the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord so much. Let me remind you, friends, that these gifts, these ministries, these offices we are looking at are given by the Lord Jesus Christ at, you know, at his discretion as, 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 as he wishes. They are given by him as he wishes. And they are all from him. And that means you should not feel more important if you are an evangelist. You should not feel more important. That is why I started by saying the Apostle Paul in the entire passage is calling us to be one, despite our giftings, despite our different callings. Praise the Lord so much. 
And they are given for equipping the church. They are given for, the, for equipping the church. For equipping the church. If you go back to verse 12. Verse 12, the Bible says, To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. They're given for equipping. Hallelujah. For equipping the church. Praise the Lord so much. For equipping the church. So that the church may be built up. And to be built up means to be expanded. To be strengthened. You know, for the church to be strengthened. For the church to expand. For the church to grow. Praise the Lord so much. Amen. These are given for equipping. For what? For equipping. And the word equip means, can mean to put right. The original, you know, in the original sense, it, mean, it means to, to, to put right. So that the church of God is put right. Praise the Lord so much. Like how, you know, an orthopedic doctor will put bones right. Will put bones right. I told you about my, you know, my, my, my accident. And how the doctor fixed my leg and the ligaments. I now have... You know, you, know, you know, artificial ligaments in my left knee. You see that? And I'm able to walk. I am strengthened to walk. Praise the Lord so much. Amen. So that's why these ministries are given. So the church may be equipped, may be put right, may be strengthened. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord so much. They are also given for the work of ministry. They are given for the work of what? Of ministry. For the work of ministry. The leaders are equipped to be able to serve God's people, to be able to grow God's church, to serve God for the work of ministry. Praise the Lord so much. Now, I want us to turn to verses 13 to 16. Verse 13 to 16, we want to see now the goal of these offices, of these ministries. Yes, we have seen that they are given for the church to be equipped, you know, for service, but there is more. When you read those verses, verses 13 to 16, we look at the goal, the goal of these ministries. And do you know the goal? The goal is Christian maturity. The goal is Christian maturity. Let me draw your attention to verses 13 to 16. If my brother could, yes, the, the verse is already here. Until, now listen, this is why they're given. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son that is growing into a mature man with a stature measured, by Christ's fullness. 14. Then we will no longer be little children. Ah, I talked about little children being deceived by these teachings in Kampala. Being deceived. It, it, it is so sad. Deceived by men who even never went to school. Praise the Lord so much. Yes, I, I will no longer be little children. 
is not talking about being young in terms of age. No. <laughs> in the things of God, understanding his word. Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. By human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. I talked about how these guys are eloquent. They are eloquent. They are very smart. They drive bigger cars. And when they arrive, all the glory is given to them. And certainly we know that God does not share his glory with any man. Do we know that? So may the Lord help us to be sober-minded. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Growing together into him, in knowing him, in serving him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord so much. Therefore, friends, we see that the first goal of God's work through the, you know, these offices is unity. Is unity. To, be, to become one in Jesus Christ. He gives these gifts. He gives these ministries that we may be united in his service. And we cannot be united if we are not mature. Unity. Praise the Lord so much. Amen. Amen. And I want to emphasize something. You know, he talks about in verse 14 that we no longer be little children tossed, you know, to and from and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Let me now draw your attention back to the gift of, of, of teaching and the gift of, of, of a pastor, a pastor as a teacher. Remember, we have looked at a pastor as a teacher. So the pastor is gifted, you know, is to teach the saints, is to teach God's people so that they can be stable. Please mark my words. So that they can be stable. They can be firm, planted on the foundation of the apostles. Remember we say that the apostles laid the foundation of the church. Therefore, the pastors and teachers today must continue doing their work, must continue teaching so that you and me may become more stable in our faith, may become firm, may become planted on the foundation laid by the apostles. I know of friends who change churches almost every year. They are looking for men that are more anointed. They are looking for church that has, you know, the best vibe. You hear me? But God is calling us to stability. God is calling us to be firm. God is calling us to be planted when you look at verse 14. Verse 14. Praise the Lord so much. Mm. God wants every child to be mature, to be mature according to the measure of Jesus. Let me say that 
When we get saved, we should not grow in age. I've already talked about this. We should not only grow in age, we should grow in our relationship with the Lord. We should grow in the Lord, not only in age. You hear people say, I have been saved for 20 years. I have been saved for 30 years. It doesn't matter if you have been saved for 50 years and yet you continue to walk as little children. It doesn't make sense. So let me say that when these offices work together, when these offices work together, we've talked about the apostles, we've talked about uh, the prophets, we've talked about uh, the evangelists, the teachers, and the pastors. When they work together, God's church is equipped is equipped for Christian maturity. Equipped for maturity. Equipped for greater intimacy with God. That people's relationships with God are deepened. That your relationship with God is deepened. That you no longer be like little children tossed here and there by every teaching that comes. Because when you're grounded in God's word, you listen to this teaching and you will discern, you will discern, you will be able to tell that this is not the right teaching. This is not the right teaching. Let me talk about this, you know, this kind of thing. You know, it started in Mukono, this funeral ministry. It started in Mukono. And because they were teaching young people that whatever you do with your body does not affect your soul. Four of my students conceived in that class. I was teaching a class in 2013, September. I have evidence. I was teaching them from Walker 4. Walker 4 is the building next to Nkoyo Hall. Four of the students conceived. And when you would engage with them, they would tell you, our pastor told us, what you do with your body does not affect your soul. Because you are not mature, you give in to that kind of teaching. By the way, that kind of teaching sounds sweet, sounds enticing, it sounds cool. Cool, but let me tell you, many times God's things are not cool. Eh? They are not cool. If you are looking for cool stuff, you are going to end up as a loser. Because the devil's mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. And yet the message from the devil is, is, you know, is sweet because you, you, today young people want to, there are things they want to hear. The Bible, the Bible calls it itching ears. Itching ears, what the itching ears want to, to, to do or to hear. Let me tell you, I have more testimonies. I can go on and go on until the cows come home. I have more testimonies about these wrong teachers. So, friends, as we come to uh, to the end, let me say that these ministries, the ministries we have looked at, are given not for personal power or for personal gain, but they are given so that God's church can be equipped. Praise the Lord so much. They are given so that God's church can flourish. They are given so that God's church may be healthy. Praise the Lord so much. So that God's church can be 
can be healthy. Praise the Lord. They are given so that God's church can be healthy. So you may be asking me, especially about two ministries, about the apostolic and the prophetic ministries. You may be asking me, preacher man, are these ministries still active today? I think that's a big question. The apostolic and prophetic ministries, are they still active today as the Apostle Paul talked about them then? As the Apostle Paul told them, are they still active today? Let me say, friends, and maybe I don't know whether you'll have time to discuss. After church, you can continue the conversation going. Let me say, friends, that the role of an apostle today seems to be different from what we have seen in the scriptures. There is often an unhealthy level of authority given to this man. The kind of hype and respect and, and worship that is given to these men that we do not see in the Bible. That seems different from what we read about in the Bible. Remember we have seen that the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You remember that? The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Let me say that that the foundation of the church has already been laid. Isn't it? The foundation of the church has already been laid. When God's revelation was given to us through the apostles and prophets, let me say that those roles are no longer in need. If God's revelation has been given to us already through his word, then why do we need those offices? The apostolic and the prophetic. Listen to me again. The way the apostles and the prophets seem to have functioned within the New Testament is different from what we see today in the church. The way the apostles and the prophets functioned in the church then is different from the way we see these people operate today. Do you know that Paul referred to himself as the last apostle? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8. So the question is, what was the role of the apostles and the prophets? Their role was to proclaim God's revelation, to teach the church to grow and to thrive. That was their role. Now, the word of God, the Bible, has been, you know, is the completed revelation of God today. The word of God is the completed revelation of God today. The Bible contains everything that the church needs to know to grow. The Bible contains everything. Let me say that again. The Bible contains everything that the church needs to grow, that the church needs to thrive and to fulfill God's mission. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. The Bible says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, that the servant of God may be equipped for every good work and service. 
Second Timothy 3, verse 15 to 17. We already have God's word. Do we still need, do we still need the revelations from the apostles and the prophets? That is for us to think about. The cornerstone work of the apostles and the prophets is complete. However, we have the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit in us that continues to be active, that continues to speak, that continues to teach us through the Word of God. Father, we thank you for your Word and for speaking to us about these ministries. I pray that you will continue to speak to us even after this session. That your spirit will continue to teach us. Thank you, Lord. I pray for myself as I pray for my brothers and sisters. That will be mature. That will grow in you. That will no longer be tossed around by every kind of teaching. Please, Lord, help us to be a discerning church. Grow us, mature us, perfect us, strengthen us, expand us, deepen our relationship with you to the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name.